Good morning, family. We are officially in the festive season. Can you believe it? How fast has this year gone by? We are grateful to God that we are once again able to meet through our church at home service. It is a great joy to know that we can still fellowship together regardless of where we are physically. I must say we miss each and every one of you very much and we hope you and your families are well and safe. This morning my heart is filled with praise. It is filled with worship for the Lord, the one who has taken us through and is yet to take us through life's most challenging times. The Lord who reaches out to us when we feel stretched beyond our reach. I am thankful for his new mercies every morning, for his unfailing love, for his care for and about us. As we start the service this morning, I sing Psalms 113 in praise. It says, Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Who can be compared with the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. As we start the service off this morning, I would like to encourage us to start with a heart of praise, a heart of worship for the one true God who is enthroned on high. He alone deserves it. As we go along with the service this morning, we will receive the word of God from Pastor Mondley. But before then, Mr. Valempini will share with us the offering message. Enjoy.
And to this life bring suffering Lord I will remember What Calvary has bought for me Both now and forever Brethren, how are you this morning? Imagine it's December already. A few days time, it will be Christmas. A day our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was born. A wonderful day to us Christians and everyone else. 
Generally, this day is associated with a wonderful gift that the Lord gave unto the world. The only book, the book, the book, the only begotten Son of the Lord was born on this day. It's a day that reminds us to be generous, a day that reminds us to be thankful. It is a season of thanksgiving. Let's approach this season with that in mind. Let's be thankful. Let's be generous in our giving, a church, uh, even in the community. Let's be also be mindful of what we say to other people. Let's type all means to build them with our mouths instead of uh, bring others down for a good word that is said at a, a proper time does build the next person. Let's type on means to emphasize on the positives that other people are doing and downplay the weaknesses of our neighbors. To me, that's a wonderful form of giving. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. The son indeed is given unto us. The only way you can thank the son that is given unto us is to be generous, to make a difference in the next person, to support the church, to support the, the ministry, to support the work of God, and also to support our brethren or in general, our neighbors. I thank you. Be blessed. Be victorious. Uh, let's move into 2021 with a sense of victory. Let's anticipate new beginnings. Let's hope for a change in, in 2021. I thank you. Good morning, church. Such an honor for me to be able to bring God's word again to you. And so today, I'm going to be reading and focusing on Jeremiah chapter 31 from verse 1 to 6. Just the first six verses of Jeremiah chapter 31. And so if you have your Bibles, quickly turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 1 to 6. And I will read and it's also going to appear on the screen. And this is how it reads. At that time, declares the Lord. I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel." Again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dens of the merrymakers. Again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. For there shall be a day when watchmen will call in the hill country of Ephraim. Arise, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. And this is 
a very positive, a very affectionate a prophetic message that God brought to the children of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And it becomes even more re- remarkable when you look at the backdrop or the context within which it was spoken. And so around this time, the children of Israel had been taken away captive in Babylon. And so they were in a foreign land, serving a foreign a nation. You know, they were away from home. It was a very difficult and painful time. Many people had lost their life during the, that whole process of being captured and being taken into exile in Babylon. So this was a very difficult time. This is the one thing I want us to understand, is that the people absolutely understood why this was happening to them. How? Because God had prophesied about this time. God had warned them over and over uh, again in the past, saying, if you continue down this path, this is where it's going to lead you. I am going to give you up to another nation who will take you, take you, take your children, take your sons and daughters captive in a foreign land. God had prophesied about this. It was because of their rebellion. It was because they had forsaken God. They had walked away and turned away from God that this was happening to them. And so, in fact, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 29, just two chapters prior in verse 20, this is what it says. It says, hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so here, God is clearly and explicitly taking credit for the fact that he is the one who has allowed the captivity to take place. He has allowed and permitted this situation to happen in their lives, to, for them to be taken captive from, from Jerusalem, from their homes, from the temple, you know, from their livelihoods into captivity. He is the one who has allowed it to happen. And they, they find themselves in this land of captivity and God had... Re- had um, given them up because they had rejected God by their own actions. They had walked away from the Lord. They had walked away from his laws and his statutes and his commandments. And this is the reason that this is happening. And it is in the midst of this, in this context, in this difficult time, that we find the prophecy in chapter 31. This positive, this affectionate, you know, this this, uh, positive message of prophecy from God where God says, in essence, that I will, I, will, I will bring you back. But it begins by the words, at that time. Which in my mind, as I read them, the, the question that comes to my mind is, at which time? You know, what, which time are you talking about? What happened? What happened before? What's happening at this time? But I will go, I will get into that a little bit later. But the, the essence of the prophecy is that uh, things are bad right now. I understand that things are difficult. Things are horrible in your life. But things are not not going to stay this way uh, forever. Things are not going to remain the way that they are. That things are going to get better. That one day I will restore you. I will bring you back to your own land. Why? And he gives a reason why he is saying all of this. And it is because I, the Lord God, have loved you with an everlasting kind of love. And we live in a time when people are obsessed with being happy. You, you know this, you know, people are just obsessed with always being happy all the time. Everything, life itself is supposed to make them happy. This is what we live for, in, you know, so many times in our lives. We live to be happy. We live for the pursuit of happiness. And if you love me, then you must, you must uh, make me perpetually happy. I must always be 
be happy in the relationship if you claim to love me. And if you make me unhappy, that means you don't love me. And the nature of the relationship between us needs to change. This is, this is how we live. You know, this, this is how we, we relate to one another. And the problem with that is that we tend to take that same kind of thinking into our relationship with God. We tend to superimpose all of that thinking upon the relationship that we have with God. And it will not work because the nature of the relationship with God is completely different to all the relationships that we have with other people, other fellow human beings, because God is completely unlike anyone that we have ever met, that we have ever related with. And it is difficult for us to wrap our minds around God, let alone to even love Him, to even wrap our minds around who God is. It is very difficult because God is completely unlike us. God is different to us. God, uh, the theological term is that God is transcendent, that God is above and beyond everything in all of creation, and that God is, is completely independent of his creation, while creation is completely dependent upon God. And so it becomes very difficult for us to even wrap our minds, to understand, to comprehend who God is. You know, God, God is it's very difficult for, 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 for God to be explained and for us to be able to fit him in our small little brain. That's because he is so big. In fact, so there's something that happens um, and the scriptures that the writers of the scriptures tend to use language that that tries to help us understand something that would otherwise be very difficult for us to understand and and the term for this is it is called anthropomorphism so this is when a uh, people uh, take the attributes and the characters of human beings and place them upon something that is not human and they, what they are trying to do is to help us to understand you know something that is difficult for us to understand because that thing is different to us that thing is not like us. That thing is not human. And that we find this all over the scriptures. In fact, if you read even in Exodus chapter 33, God has an encounter with Moses. And he says, I will reveal myself to you. And we find this in verse 21, between verse 21 and 23, where, where it says this. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. My face shall not be seen. How do you describe the indescribable? This is where I said recently that language simply falls apart as we are trying to accurately capture and portray the creator of all languages themselves. Language cannot do a, a good enough job at explaining the inexplicable and explaining who God is in a way that is accurate to who he is. So the, so the best thing we can do is to like him to something that we know is to liken him to something that we have seen before and this is what is happening here is that the writer uses terms that we can understand to explain something that is difficult to understand and he says he says um, i will pass by you you know i will put you on a rock and i will cover your face with my hand but god does not have a hand like you and i god does not have a body like you and i god is spirit he is not physical like you and i you know 
Prabhupada uses these terms to try and to help us to understand what he's talking about. That we cannot see his face, but God does not have a physical face like you and I do. But he's trying to, to express something uh, that is deep that we need to understand. And he uses language that we will be able to understand. And that is what is called anthropomorphism. And so, why, what, why is this so important? You know, why am I making this point? I believe it is so important because sometimes we forget the function of this kind of language in the scriptures. And we get to a place where we begin to think that God is like one of us. That God is like you and I. That God has arms. God has a heart. God has feelings. God has emotions. God sometimes wakes up in a bad mood. That God sometimes just wants to be left alone. This is the mistake that we have. And it is because we fail to understand understand the function of this kind of language. This language is not saying that God is like us, but it is trying to explain to you and I in terms that we will understand who and how God is. But make no mistake, God is not like us. God is completely different. God is transcendent. God is above. God is beyond anything that we have ever seen before, that anything that we can ever comprehend, God is above. God is beyond. God is high and he is lifted up. He is completely unlike us. He's not dependent upon creation. And creation is completely dependent upon him. So the mistake that we make is that we start to relate to God like we relate to other people. And that will simply not work because God is different. And he says here to the children of Israel, while they are in captivity, while they are going through a difficult time, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I'll bring you back. Therefore, I'll be favorable to you. That is why I have continued to be faithful towards you, because I have loved you with an everlasting kind of love. And I want to just take a moment to spend some time to focus on the nature of God's love, on the character of the love of God. And the first thing I want us to understand, even before we get to the actual attributes of the, of, the, of the love of God to get to the nature. Before we get to that nature of God's love, this is the first thing I want us to understand, and this is the important thing for us to understand, that God loves you and I not because of us. God loves you and I because of who he is. And this is foundational. This is important for us to be able to understand. If you don't understand this, then we are going to make mistakes uh, down the line. We are going to, to have an incorrect understanding of what God means when he says, I have loved you with an everlasting kind of love. We are not going to understand that. And so God loves you because of who he is, not because of who you are. And that is actually good news. You may be asking yourself, how is that supposed to be good news? How? You know, that doesn't even make me feel good that God loves me despite me. You know, that God loves me not because of me. He loves me because of him. You know, that doesn't even make me feel good. So how is that supposed to be good news? And I understand that we might be confused a little bit, but I can assure you that this is actually good news, that this is better than anything else. And, and in all my human relationships, this is the thing that I want us to understand. In my human relationships, 
relationships. I want to be the center of that relationship. You know, I need to be at the center. That relationship needs to exist to serve me. That relationship needs to exist to make me happy, to please me, to do the things that I want uh, people to do. Uh, the other person who's in relationship with me to do, I want that person to serve me. I want that person to put my needs first. I want to be the center of all my human relationships. And we take that, you know, that same thinking into God's relationship. I want to be at the center. You need to love me because of me, you know. Otherwise, don't love me at all. And that's a mistake that we will tend to make uh, if we fail to understand the, the nature of God's love. In fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, this is where we find the writer of Hebrews says, in Hebrews 13, 8, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And this is why this, that statement that I made is such good news. It's because God does not change. In fact, this is one of God's attributes when it comes to, you know, the attributes of God. And this is the fact that God is immutable, that God does not change, that God stays the same, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change like you and I, you know. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that if a person does not change, that it then, you know, it is very boring to be in relationship with that kind of person. I can assure you right now that God does not change, but also that God is far from boring. A relationship with God is absolutely far from boring. So why is this good news that God loves you uh, because of who he is? It is because he does not change. Because think about the opposite. If God loved you because of you, then his love for you would have to change based on how you act, based on how you perform, based on how you live, based on how you feel, based on how you relate to him. Then God's love for you would have to fluctuate and to change. You know, one day it's one day it's down, one day you are doing well, the other day you are not doing well. If God's love for you was dependent upon you, then you would be in trouble. Then I would be in trouble because God's love for me would have to also fluctuate based on how I perform. Because while God does not change, I change. I grow, you know, I mature, I change my thinking, I change my thoughts, I change my ideas, I change the way that I do things, then if God's love depended upon me, then it would have to change. But it is not dependent upon me, it is dependent upon who he is. And who he is, he is a God who is immutable. He's a God who does not change. He's a God who stays the same forever and ever, you know, from everlasting to everlasting, from eternity past to eternity in the future. God stays is the same, which means that God's love for you also stays the same. And that is good news. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think that is incredible good news that God is immutable and therefore God's love for you is also immutable. He says to the children of Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting kind of love. Therefore, you know, I will do these things for you. You know, I will bring you back. I will take care of you. And it is true that we are not worthy of this kind of love. It is true, you know, that I, in, in my nature, I am not lovable. I'm not a lovable person. I'm a horrible person in my human fallen nature. It is true that I am not good, but God still loves you and I. Why? Because he has chosen to love us. It is not because of anything in us that has attracted him 
him towards us. It is because of a decision that he has made within himself to love us. And so right now, I'm just going to attend to the characteristics. I'm going to talk about three characteristics of God's love, the, the nature of God's love. And there's three things. And the first one we have already touched on, and it is the fact that God's love is immutable. It does not matter what you and I were able or unable to do. It does not matter, you know, what we have failed or succeeded in. It does not matter how we woke up feeling, you know, one particular day. It doesn't matter. God's love for you and I is unlike any other love that we have ever experienced. It's unlike the love that we receive from our parents. It's unlike the love that we receive from our spouse or, or even our friends. God's love for you and I is unchanging. It is immutable. It stays the same. It does not fluctuate. It does not grow or diminish over time because God's love is immutable. That's the first characteristic or the attribute of God's love. Second one is that God's love is unconditional. That it, that it, 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 it has no conditions. You know, there are no conditions that need to be met for you to be able to benefit from God's love. God's love is unconditional. And I remember one, one day I once asked a Christian how their relationship with God was doing. And this is what they said. I'll never forget it. They said, God and I are not talking at the moment. You know, and, and you could even see it in the demeanor, in the face, that they were not in a good space. God and I are just simply not talking at the moment. And I don't think I need to say the gender of that particular person, but God and them, they were just not talking. Why? Because God did not do something that that person wanted him to do, that God had failed them some way, you know, that God had not uh, kept the promise to keep them perpetually happy and therefore hey god you and i are on a pause you and i are on a break i'm not talking to you right now why this is something that we do in our in our human relationships and therefore we think god is like the next person or the last person that we were in relationship with and they disappointed us or whatever the case is and we think that god is the same but make no mistake god is completely unlike anyone that you have ever been in relationship with God is, is transcendent. God is different. God is unique. And so he is unlike anyone that uh, we have ever been in relationship with. And he says, God's love for us is unconditional. He loves us unconditionally. And this love is not dependent you know, based on our performance. He doesn't love us because of how we look. He doesn't love us because of our bank account. He doesn't love us because we are tall or short. He doesn't love us because we are skinny or chubby. He doesn't love us because of how good we cook. He loves us because he has made a decision to love us. He loves us because of a choice that he has made to love us. And, and it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter whether we can cook or not. It doesn't matter whether we disappoint him or not. It doesn't matter, you know, what we do in our lives. God is going to continue loving you because he never started loving you because of you even in the first place. And therefore, he's going to continue loving you because he loves you because of himself. And that that characteristic or attribute of God's love is that it is everlasting. This is what he says. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting kind of love. What does this mean? It means this love never ends. That this love goes on forever and ever. Even when you and I are in a mess because of what 
what we have done. Even when you and I find ourselves in exile because of our own actions, even if we should walk away from God, he doesn't stop loving us. His love for us never ends because it was never based upon us to begin with. It was based upon him. And since he in his nature never ends from beginning to, to end, from everlasting to everlasting, therefore his love for us will also never end. And, and I think that this is absolutely wonderful news. And I was just thinking that as we end 2020, as we end this difficult year, that some of us may need to hear this kind of message, this kind of affirmation, this kind of love message from God. Because of some of the things that have happened this year, you know, you and I, you know, you may have done some bad things this year. You have made some bad decisions this year. Maybe you have taken matters into your own hands because of that desperation that you have, that you felt as you were going through this year. You know, maybe you were even, uh, you even backslid into some of your past sins and your past habits. You went back to the things that you used to do. You may have been tempted to give up on God or you may have actually given up on God this year. And so we need to, to to, to hear the affirmation. We need the love of God to be affirmed upon us that God never loved you because of you even in the beginning. And therefore even now, in this situation where you find yourself in, it does not mean that God loves you any less. It does not mean that God has stopped loving you. The fact that you find yourself in this situation has nothing to do with God's love for you. God loves you because of himself and he loves you with an everlasting kind of love. A love that never ends. And you and I are not powerful enough to change God by our actions or our inactions. There's nothing that we can do to change how God feels about us. We are not powerful enough to change God's nature, to change God, God's, God's heart towards us. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, which is the, the, what the scriptures tell us. And, and that is just wonderful news. And so one of the mistakes that we make as I've mentioned, is that we tend to take what we know and we place it upon our relationship with God. And so maybe one of the things is just for you to be reminded that God is not like us, that God is not like me. I may disappoint you, but God will never disappoint you. That I may give up on you, but God will never give up on you. That God loves you with an everlasting kind of love. And you may be asking yourself right now, you may be saying, okay, I think I understand now what you are saying. I think I understand how God feels about me, but help me to to make sense of 2020. Help me to make sense of this exile. Help me to make sense of the bad situations in my life. Help me to reconcile what is happening to what you have just said that God feels about me. Help me right now because I, I, I cannot reconcile those two things. That is where you may be and this is where I want us to understand something else about God. In fact, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to read from verse 10 to 14 and it will help us to understand those feelings. It will help us to understand and to make sense and to reconcile these uh, experiences that we feel in our lives and God's love for us uh, in, in, in those particular situations. And so in Jeremiah 29, this is the same prophet. He prophesies a little earlier to the same group of people that are in exile in Babylon. In Jeremiah 29 verse 10 to 14, this is what it says. It says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. So, so God is saying to the children of Israel, uh, make no mistake, this period is going to take time. That this period is going to take 70 years. It says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, 
I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promises and bring you back to this place. You are going to go through a difficult season. That, that life is going to be tough. That it, it is going to take as long as it takes. But make no mistake that when that period is over, I, the Lord God, will come back to you. That I will remember you. I will visit you. And I will fulfill my promises and bring you back. Let us continue. And we'll be, we're going to understand more of what God is saying. And then this very famous verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope and make no mistake. God's plans for you are to give you a future and a hope. God's plans for you are for welfare and not for evil. But that does not mean that you will not from time to time go through difficulties as they also went through a difficult time, as they were in exile, as they were slaving, as they were serving foreign, uh, a foreign nation, as they were in a, com a confusing and difficult time. But God's purposes for them never changed. How God felt about them never changed. Let us continue. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I am the Lord your God. You know, I am the one who brought you into this situation. I am the one who has allowed the exile to happen. And it is because there's something I want to correct in you. This is a time of discipline. This is a time of pruning. This is a time where God wants to correct something within his children. And, and the fact that they find themselves in that time doesn't mean that God has stopped. In fact, it is the absolute opposite. They find themselves in this situation because... God loves them because God loves them with an everlasting kind of love. Because God is committed to their character. God is committed into the people that they are becoming more than he is committed to making them perpetually happy. And this is something that we fail to understand sometimes. It is a difficult truth to, to accept, I admit. But this is a fact. This is the truth. God is committed, way more committed to your character than he is to your feelings. He's more committed to the person that you are becoming than he is committed to making you perpetually happy. Does God don't want you to be happy? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. God wants you to be happy, but not at the expense of your character. And so from time to time, God being a good father, God loving us, he will from time to time need to, need to discipline us, need to correct us, need to rebuke us, need to bring us back to where we are meant to be. And so as a child of God, dearly loved child of God, you will from time to time go through difficult times, not because the devil is against us, but sometimes because God is trying to discipline you. What does this mean? This means that there are things that God will from time to time withhold from you or take away from you. You know, there's, there are times when God will, will, hold, will hold things from us or take away certain things from us, not because he loves us any less or because he is not pleased with us or because he has given up on us, but because God is discipling us and disciplining us 
because of his commitment to our character, to the people that we are becoming. He is disciplining us because he wants to correct something in us, something in our attitude, something in our character, something in our, in our living, in our walk with the Lord. And so if you read, in fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 to 11, the writer of Hebrews go into great detail explaining and expounding the same thing. And he is encouraging us to endure the discipline of God because he says it is good for us. That everyone that the Father loves, he disciplines. That God's discipline for us doesn't mean that God has forsaken us. It is the opposite. God disciplines those that he, that he loves. He disciplines those that he accepts as sons. And so sometimes we are going to find ourselves in times when we are being disciplined. And it does not mean that God has forsaken us. It does not mean that God has given up on us. It means God loves us so much. It does not want to leave us you know, to our own devices. It doesn't want to leave us to, to do things uh, the way that we see. He's committed to us. He loves us. He wants us to become the people that he wants us, that he created us to become. And so here's what you and I should do when God is disciplining us. We should turn. He says in the passage that I read in Isaiah, in Jeremiah 29, he says, then you will turn to me. After the time of discipline, after the discipline has fulfilled its function and its, its purpose, you will turn, you will realize the error in your ways and you will turn back to me and I will come like a flood. I will, will renew my vows to you. I, you know, will be faithful towards you. I will visit you. I will remember you. I will restore you. You know, I will restore everything because the reason I sent you to exile in the first place was not because I hated you. It was not because I gave up on you, but it was because I love you. And so repent, come back, humble yourself, turn away, you know, from, from the ways that you have been living. Turn back to God. And so, as I conclude, regardless of how this year has been to you, regardless of what you did or didn't do, regardless of whether you lost a loved one or a life was added into your family, regardless of what happened this year, remember this one thing, that God loves you and I with an everlasting an unconditional and an immutable kind of love. He is committed to you even when you give up on him. That God loves you and will continue loving you. And that does not mean that things are always going to be sunshine and roses. Sometimes things are going to become difficult. Sometimes you are going to go through 2020. Sometimes you are going to go through a global pandemic. Sometimes your, your, your finances and your livelihood will be disturbed a little bit. But that does not mean that God loves you any less than he did before. Because God's love is everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Help us, Father God, to unlearn what we have learned about love and relationships. Help us, Father God, to come to you with an open mind that your love that with which you love us may transform all the other loves in our lives so that we may go out into each and every relationship that we have with everyone, Father God, carrying your love with us. Help us, Father, to understand just how much you love us. 
Help us to understand it. Father God, to not become big-headed because we begin to think that you love us because we are lovable. You love us because we are lovely. You do not love us because of us. You love us in spite of us. You love us because of you, Father. So help us, Lord Jesus, to, to give all the honor and all the praise and all the adoration, all the exaltation that is due to your name because of the love with which you love us. We thank you, Father God, that you are committed to our character. Pray, Father, that you help us to go through and to learn everything that you want us to learn through each and every season that you take us into so that we may become the people that you want us to become on the other side of life. And may all honor and all glory and all exaltation go to your name because you are worthy. Your name is the only one that is worthy now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Pastor, for the life-giving message. I pray that it may work in and through us this week. Join us again on the 25th of December as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the meantime, keep well, stay safe, and have a blessed week. We love you.